Welcome to Inside of Old, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Dave Jones. Um, and we have, I, I say this every time, we have a special episode. Every, every episode is special and unique <laughs> in its own way. Um, but before I get into our guest today and our topic, I want to, um, you know, invite you to uh, subscribe to the subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we have a lot of good things going on. We have some more things coming, and it's going to be fun. A lot of good topics, a lot of good information. And today we're actually going to skip the data part of the of the podcast because I want to get right into the topic. And today we're going to be talking about Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It is October, and October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I have two guests with me. One of my guests uh, has been on the show before, and another of our guests has been with us since we've opened and has never been on the podcast. And this is our first podcast ever. I'm going to start with you. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Colleen Edwards, and I am the assistant manager here at Abode. And I've been here for four years. And uh, you guys are going to take me out feet first, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, and then our, my other guest with us today. Hi, I'm Heidi Hurst McEwen, and I am a broker here at Windermere Abode. So happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so happy that you guys both came along for this conversation because, A, it's definitely not a conversation I've ever had, so this is all new information for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people who are uh, listening. And then also, um, B, it's... Yeah, it's something I literally have no experience with. Like, not only have I not talked about it, but I also don't have any experience. So I'm just leaning on y'all to educate us today. Um, but I did look up some some facts so, or some data. So uh, according to, what is this website? This website is lblivingbeyondbreastcancer.org. Um, and it talks about Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So about one in eight U.S. women and one in 833 U.S. men will develop invasive breast cancer over the course of their lives. And then in 2021, an estimated 284,200 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed in the U.S. along with 49,290 new cases of non-invasive invasive breast cancer. And we'll talk about the difference between invasive and non-invasive breast cancer later, but do those numbers like, have you heard those numbers before? And is that something that you all have heard and have experienced maybe even? Oh, absolutely. Um, in shocking, really, to find out that it's that common. It is actually the most common cancer for women. Um, so that's 12% of all women will be diagnosed with breast cancer. So sit there one day when you're in a crowd at church or in a movie theater and start counting. You're uh -huh. in a group of 100 women, 12 of those women will have breast cancer in their lifetime. That's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. And, he, and, and like for Heidi, do you, what's your, what's your attachment? Well, like why is Breast Cancer Awareness Month important to you? Um, well, it's important to me for a lot of reasons. Um, five, five years ago, I was diagnosed with precancer. Um, I had a 50% chance of it developing into cancer. And so I was, um, and my, I've had my breasts monitored for about, 13 to 15 years because my mother had breast cancer. Um, and so when it finally came up, they gave me a protocol. I took what's called tamoxifen, which is typically given to women after breast cancer treatment. And I took that for five years. And so that's cut my chances of getting breast cancer down to 25%, which is still Dang. gives me the chills. It's a big number. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. I have also, uh, 
fortunately and unfortunately been around many women. Um, my mother, like I said, had breast cancer. Um, my mother-in-law had breast cancer, um, survived it. My mother survived it, we think. Not sure how she passed away, but um, also my best friend uh, that I've known since I was seven years old was diagnosed this year with breast cancer. And right. so I have had the blessing of um, having the opportunity to go down and be present with her through her treatment, many conversations almost daily of what her process is. Um, I also have a client, many clients who have survived breast cancer. I have another client who it's come back after 13 years and she is just in the maintenance of trying to stay alive and prolong her life, which is a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had tennis friends who've been diagnosed, our A plus client, Jill, and I mean, I feel like it's around me and um, I'm blessed to know a lot of survivors and I've also been to many funerals. So um, I, I honor Colleen and her journey that she's been on. And I used to be really flippant about, oh, if I get breast cancer, I'll just get new tatas, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And I just, every time I think about that, I just cringe, like right now I could just tear up because it was such a flippant, annoying now that I am in the middle of it with my best friend, mm-hmm. it's such a flippant perspective. So, and I think that was probably just my fear talking yeah. <laughs> and my protection. But um, so that's my experience with breast cancer. And mm. it's like alive and around me right now. And um, the bravery and the courage and the stamina and the community that it takes to get somebody through breast cancer mm-hmm. or any type of cancer, honestly. But since I'm around breast cancer right now, um, it's an incredible, incredible strength and courage. And so I just want to make sure that we're talking about it and honoring and helping people understand that they have a way to um, lessen the experience of having breast cancer. And mm-hmm. that is early detection. Mm-hmm. Mammograms and like I t- like to say, touch your boobs, like touch them, mm-hmm. feel them out. Yeah. They, they tell you about that every time you go to a doctor's appointment. Mm-hmm. They do self-exam, you, they do exams, you do have your own self-exam. Um, men also touch your boobs, like save the tatas, save your life, mm-hmm. so. No, that's important. Colleen, how, why is it important to you? I mean, I know the answer to the question, but for the audience and people listening. Um, When I was 45 years old, I was diagnosed with stage two multifocal invasive ductal cell carcinoma and carcinoma in situ. It was um, HR positive, HER2 negative, non-lymphatic breast cancer, uh, and it rocked my world. Um, I didn't see it coming. I thought... Um, this happened to somebody else. I was always a very uber healthy person. I was a runner. I, I made my own kale chips. I ate blueberries <laughs> day. I wasn't a smoker. I've never been overweight. I thought cancer happened to other people yeah. and not me. And then it happened. And then it happened. And it, it you know, there's... There's no pain associated with breast cancer. There's no symptoms associated with breast cancer. Um, I just happened to be doing a breast exam of my own, uh, as Heidi was saying, touching the tatas, and I felt a lump. And it literally, I've asked, somebody asked me this question before, what does it feel like? Literally feels like a lump. You know, it's hard. so it's not like soft and squishy like a pea. It's yeah. harder than that, and it feels like a lump. Huh. Um, 
and I felt that and I went to my doctor and he felt it too and uh, off to the races the, that started the whole process and uh, the the races moved really really fast yeah. between that appointment which was on a Thursday by that following Wednesday I had a diagnosis yeah dang that's pretty fast that's a fast turnaround and yes. So how did that, I mean, obviously that's a big impact for both your families when that, when that happens. What, what was that news like, Heidi, when you, when you came down with it? Like, was it, did you ex- find it the same way where you just, you felt the lump or oh, how did you discover? Um, I have always had, because I, I do also have very dense breasts. So when you have a mammogram and when you started with having mammograms, I mean, I had them young, like when I was in my early thirties. Um, because my mom had breast cancer. And so I had a very proactive doctor. I've always had bless bless the life I've had health insurance and so I've been had I've had the opportunity to have mammograms and you know non-cancerous cells are very round like a like a this just the cell itself so when you look at it on a picture it's very round cancerous cells tend to be jaggedy this is according to my doctor mine have always been fuzzy hmm. so I've always had a, uh, a mammogram every six months and an MRI every six months for the past 13 15 years um, and I'm still on that protocol but as soon as and we just kept watching it and it kept getting and I had a lot of biopsies and a lot of a lot of biopsies um, and when they finally started to turn enough then they said, be careful. So I've never had breast cancer. I'm just on a proactive space, but I still have a 24, 25% chance of getting breast cancer. And so, um, and I feel like I've been healthy, right? But I grew up in a smoker's house. I mean, who knows? I have a daughter who's in immunology. And uh, when we're talking about my friend who got diagnosed, she's like, mom, it's like when you get sunburned, many, many times it changes your actual DNA in your body. That's from a science immunology perspective. Uh-huh. And so who knows like what causes the breast cancer? It, you know, Colleen is a very healthy human being, right? And she's had access to all sorts of great healthcare and information and all of that. And so, you know, she found a lump. My friend uh, who got diagnosed, she found a lump. Unfortunately for her in 2021, um, it took her three weeks to get into to have a mammogram. Huh. And that was very stressful because everything was so backed up. Yeah. So, um, anyways, my my message to people is have access to Carol Milgard here in Tacoma. Well, well, has a you know foundation we've donated as the Heidi Hurst team to that foundation mm-hmm. in order to provide free mammograms. So please get them scheduled. Go in and get your mammograms every year. Yeah. The part. The part that. I think when as I'm listening to both of you speak and uh, Colleen, you mentioned it, is that it doesn't it doesn't hurt. There's no pain involved, and I didn't realize I did you know for for especially as a man, you know, it said one in eight eight hundred thirty three men will will have breast cancer or may be found with invasive breast cancer. Because um, usually when I think cancer, I think like pain or you know I think chemo. I think the process of you know the removal of cancer, and so where. I guess without sounding, you know, ignorant, which I am on this on this on this topic, where does most of the pain reside? Is it more like a psychological thing at first and then is it, and then you go through the process of chemotherapy or and, and or is it like like what's that like? Uh, getting diagnosed with cancer is uh, absolutely terrifying. You mm-hmm. know, it it literally there was a voice inside my head that would scream 
get it out, get it out, get it out. There's mm. something. It was like having Pac-Man living inside of you, and Pac-Man wanted to eat you alive. <laughs> um, and that was that was terrifying for me. And I just I wanted I was I, it was a month before I had the surgery, and I was so thankful that uh, I mean I, I I would have walked to the hospital that day to get yeah. there. I was so enthused to get this underway. Um, and up until that point, you know, that, that was four weeks from the day I was diagnosed until the day I had surgery. That was four weeks of blood tests and MRIs yeah. and, you know, meeting with my plastic surgeon because I had a double mastectomy and uh, meeting with my cancer doctor and meeting with the oncologist and meeting with the radiation oncologist. Yeah, and this just... was just a meet and greet to sit there and say, we're a part of your team. We won't really know the extent of your cancer until after the surgeon does the surgery and we send the breast tissue off to be fully biopsied to have a full idea, but know that you're probably going to be working with us over the course of the next year. This is going to take a year of your life. Hmm. Um, so there was a lot of uh, emotional exhaustion, um, a lot of uh, fear and panic. Uh, my mother even looked at my doctor and said, what's the likelihood that you're wrong? Mm-hmm. That she's just been misdiagnosed because yeah. she believed like so many of us. She's like, she's completely and totally healthy. She's very young. She had children. She breastfed. And he looked at her and said she did everything right. Mm-hmm. But only 10% of breast cancer cases are genetic. Mm the vast majority of breast cancer is spontaneous. Interesting. We just don't know. So there's no way, there's no way to know. So there's, man, that's crazy. So there's no way to know, like if there's no symptoms or anything like that, that you can, that you can find or see outside of just, you know, touching your tatas, like Heidi said. you can, what? you can look at them also. You can raise your arms above your head if you have any dimpling or anything mm-hmm. that looks kind of strange. Uh-huh. That's another example of, you know, you should make an appointment with your doctor right away. Yeah. Something that's not typically there because something inside of your breast, like a lump that maybe you can't feel, but they, I'm not quite sure how it is, but, you know, you could lift your arm up and see a dimpling and know that that's also one of the symptoms versus touching a lump. Right. Um, but mostly get your mammograms. Yeah. What's the, so like, let's say, what are the outcomes that could possibly, is this a cancer that can spread throughout the rest of the body? Is it something, is it, you know, what's the, what could be the potential outcomes if we don't slow the spread of this cancer? It will kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah. The vast majority of breast cancer cases, if detected early, are treatable, very treatable. Um, my doctor looked at me once and said, we are so close. We're so lucky that we have Fred Hutch and UW. Mm-hmm. and the Cancer Care Alliance here. Um, we're so lucky that breast cancer is so well-funded. We're learning so much about it, and we're really on the cusp of being able to say early detected breast cancer is a treatable cancer. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really close. Okay. Uh, but in, until we get to that point, um, we have got to assume that cancer uh, yeah. can happen to anybody. Yeah. And uh, my... Uh, stepmother who passed away last year of breast cancer. She had the type of breast cancer that um, was very small and could not be detected. It was very close to her rib cage and Mm -hmm. it could not be detected um, by uh, a physical examination. It was detected by an MRI. 
And unfortunately, uh, after her treatment, she got to year four and a half before the cancer mm. came back. And uh, it's the amazing thing they can do with cancer now is they can genetically test it. And because breast cancer is so common, they have a really good idea of what cancer is aggressive and what cancer is not aggressive. And they can fine tune your treatment based on that genetic test. Okay. So I had a lot of cancer in my breasts, uh, but I had very vanilla cancer, you mm-hmm. know, much better than having, you know, Cherry Garcia or the Rocky Road version mm-hmm. of cancer. Yeah. So does that mean that you, so do you have to get, did you have to do chemo for your cancer or is it, was it treatable in other ways? No, I, I had to do um, chemo, chemo and radiation uh, for my cancer. As far as my doctor was concerned, um, I, I didn't have it on my lymph nodes, which he was very, very excited about. I was BRCA negative, which he was also very excited about. Mm-hmm. If you are BRCA positive, uh, not only do all of the females in your family have to be blood tested to see if they also carry that mutation, but you're also looking at additional um, gynecological survey, uh, surgeries mm-hmm. uh, as well. So that was dodging a big bullet as far as I was concerned. Uh, but he looked at me and he said, you're 45. And 45-year-old women aren't supposed to have breast cancer yet. So uh, no matter what they say, you know, um, I'm treating it like it's aggressive cancer, even if it's not. Wow. So, yeah, I went through four rounds of uh, chemotherapy. Dang. Yep. And then um, they gave me about two weeks off, and then I went right into radiation. I did 25 rounds of radiation. Dang. And Heidi, what was your experience? Did you have a similar experience or no because i haven't been diagnosed with breast cancer i just just i just took tamoxifen for five years and that is no small joke you know Mm -hmm. what it does to your body threw me into menopause hot flashes all the weight gain all the things Mm -hmm. um and uh every time i take a pill in the morning i'd say i'm saving my life so um my uh i've had i also didn't mention there's somebody in our community there's many women in our community who battled breast cancer um all survivors Thank goodness. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, many of them have had chemotherapy, double mastectomies. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that my friend who's battling right now, she um, has a very aggressive cancer, uh, breast cancer. It only stayed in one breast. Um, so she's had chemotherapy for 12 weeks, uh, a month off. Um, she's had a single mastectomy. She will continue uh, start radiation as soon as she continues to heal um and then she'll have to take the prognosis from there she her she reacted really well or dealt really well with the chemo but it's kind of it's kind of cool what they can do with how they can you know um coordinate the best type of chemotherapy the best type of treatment i know that they there's a new study with keytruda um, with her specific, uh, specific type of breast cancer. And so that um, was really helpful. And she got really good margins when she had her surgery. So, um, so far, everything's looking positive. I think the mental toll of having breast cancer, of not being able to work, of feeling like crap yeah. every single day. I mean, I talked to her. We've been friends since we were seven. <laughs> I talked to yeah. her almost every day. And, um, you know, she's like, I'm grumpy. I'm like, be grumpy. You know, right. <laughs> do be it like you still and hers is going to take a lot longer than a year um, because she's had complications and um, et cetera. So I think there's all different types of protocols yep. on how they treat it. I've had friends who've been diagnosed and all they needed to do is have a lumpectomy and radiation because they mm-hmm. caught it so early. 
Um, it depends on the type of cancer. It depends on when they catch it. It depends on um, all sorts of different things, age, ability uh, to pay, unfortunately. I mean, all of that is supposed to be free, but as uh, I have been experiencing, not all insurance companies are equal. And when mm-hmm. you are in a state-supported insurance plan, it is not the easiest process for you to be able to get good health care. And I would say I'd give some of her doc- my friend's doctors you know, probably a nine out of 10, and I would give others like a two, and the communication Mm. and the the other information. So anyways, get a mammogram. And Nina had a mammogram in the fall, and she called me shortly after her birthday, and she's like, friend, I have a lump, and it's not good. Um, So, and then off off she went, Mm -hmm. and I'm just going along with her. Uh, that's important to hear the different types of treatments, I think, and that's because um, I've I've watched someone go through chemo, and that's not a, a you know, it's no joke. And so I, I just feel for you know people that you know for you that had to go through that. I mean, I, I've seen it up close because our my sister in law had ovarian cancer, and the rates on that are pretty low in terms of survival. Um, she's still here, thank goodness. She's in remission and. Uh, had a lot of had a lot of uh, you know up at Seattle had to go like some of the best doctors in the nation in terms of ovarian cancer and uh, just man amazing people and so I don't even want to ask the what that's like you know because I've seen it personally but for people who don't know or may they might hear the word chemo and not have any like I, I think of the person that I saw go through it firsthand and what that looked like. Some people have not seen that or don't know what that looks like. What would that, what would, how would you explain that to people who are listening who may not have seen that up close? Uh, chemo stinks. Um, you know, I, I'm not gonna like. <laughs> it does stink. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's it's there's there, nothing, there's nothing it, fun There's about. nothing good about, about having to go through uh, chemo. Um, chemo is a gradual process. So the first time you have chemo, it's not that bad. The worst thing that happens is um, between your first round and your second round is when you lose your hair. And you know Mm -hmm. you're going to lose your hair. So I used to have very long hair. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I did in preparation for chemo is I went and I cut it to my chin. Mm -hmm. So I figured it would be less stressful when it started to fall out. That was not the case. So I'm sitting in the shower and I'm washing my hair and I put my hand down and I have a handful of hair in both of my hands. And I flipped out. Yeah. I started yes. crying. And my husband comes running in. He's like, what's the matter? I said, my hair is falling out. And he said, but we knew that was going to happen, right? <laughs> of course. That's so hilarious. practical. That's what Larry, that's totally what Larry would say. <laughs> I said, yes. And it didn't change. It was. It's in a very emotional experience to have your hair uh, yeah. fall out, and it doesn't all fall out immediately. It fell out over the course of um, about five days. Okay. Uh, and I had already, you know, made an appointment. I had a wig already set to go. I had an appointment with a, a lady that would cut in 
up your wig for you. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that that was a thing, but that's totally a thing. You definitely have to have your wig cut in so it doesn't look like you're wearing a wig. My grandma used to wear all kinds of wigs, so I know all about my Japanese grandma. She stayed wearing wigs. She had like five different wigs on her bed posts. I have great respect for hair pieces after yeah, that experience. Yeah. Um, you know, the one is silver lining. There were there are many silver linings, but one silver lining was the fact that um, I shaved at least 15 minutes off of my get ready for work time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was I never had a bad hair day because my hair always looked exactly the same every day. This is true. I thought, you know, maybe I really need to consider wearing a wig all the time. Um, but the worst thing about chemo, it it, it gets uh, as you go, it takes its toll on you. It's it's a cumulative mm-hmm. thing, and the first things it starts to do is uh, it destroys all uh, fast growing cells. Cancer is a fast growing cell. Mm-hmm. Um, well, hair is a fast growing cell. Your nails are fast growing cells. Your taste buds are fast growing cells. So suddenly I can't taste anything anymore. The only thing I could taste was sweet and bitter. Dang. That was it. Uh, so, and then, so most things either tasted like plain oatmeal or uh, sweet things were okay, uh, but bitter things, like I'd have a cup of coffee and you know how coffee has a bitter taste mm-hmm. to it? Yeah. Well, all I would taste was the bitter oh, and the coffee. I would have a piece of chocolate and all you would taste is that kind of bitter yeah. alkaline taste yeah. of the chocolate, that was it. Uh, so that was miserable, especially if you're like me and you love food. You know, having mm-hmm. food taste like plain oatmeal yeah, for three months is really oh, not a lot of fun. Uh, and it also, uh, it also, your blood vessels are also fast growing cells, so it starts to eat those up. Uh, and that's what makes you really tired. You just don't have the same level of blood pumping through your system yeah. as you did beforehand. So I, I would walk up my street to pick up my daughter from her friend's house in time for dinner and I would get to the door and I would have to stop before I ring the doorbell, huffing and puffing like I just sprinted, you know, uh, a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then my phone, my Apple Watch would sit there and ping and congratulate me on my workout. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's just, I mean, that's a pretty, so basically I don't think anyone wants anything to do with that, what you just explained. Um, it, it's not ideal, but the thing is, it's just, it's temporary. Yeah, it, yeah, I yeah. Mean, and you can do anything. It was three months of my life, and yeah. you can do anything for yeah. three months of your life, four right. months, six months. I mean, it wasn't a life sentence. It was just a time of my life, and it you can get through it. Yeah. And, and as soon as you're done with chemo, um, you start to build back up again. And within uh, about eight weeks, I felt exactly the way I did before I ever even started chemo. So you bounce back from yeah, it yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. And that's that's important to know and to end on you know a note like that, that it, it, it is a moment in time um, and that we have a lot of survivors out there who can share, like, so thank you both for coming on the podcast and sharing on this topic because I mean we this is this is big because we haven't done we haven't talked about this yet of all the podcasts we got hundreds of podcasts we have yet to do one on breast cancer awareness month so I appreciate you both um, stepping forward and sharing and being vulnerable and talking about boobs I feel like I know y'all better now <laughs> but <laughs> but um so Heidi starting with you is there anything or you know actually Colleen is there anything that you would 
like to share that on the way out in terms of like where people can find more help, more information, or if they want if anything, anything. It's your, it's your floor. Thank you. Uh, ben, thank you for giving us the opportunity to, to talk about um, this. I, you know, I think that when you talk about cancer of any type is very taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important for people to realize that it can really happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. And nobody likes to think that there are things out there that are outside of their control. So everybody needs seats. Do they just need to relax because you actually control nothing? <laughs> and once you realize that, it's it's okay. And mm-hmm. we, you know, we between um, Caramel Guard is phenomenal. You know, uh, the ability to go ahead and check your own breasts. You know, make your annual gynecological appointments. They do a really wonderful job there as well. Um, but know that the vast majority of breast cancer uh, is treatable. of people who are diagnosed with early stage breast cancer survive five years. That's Mm. huge. That is huge. Yeah. And and thank goodness for technical, technological and medical advancements. Heidi, would you like to say anything for the good of the order? Um, I just want to also thank uh, Colleen inviting me into this conversation. We've talked a lot about breast cancer this year and a lot about boobs. And um, what I find is that if you do get diagnosed, there are so many people out there unfortunately, who can share stories with you and perspective. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people, it depends on personalities, but there's a lot of resources. You can go online. There are Facebook chat rooms. There's there's all sorts of um, opportunities for you to gather information. Um, and, and survivors always want to tell you their story. Um, so I think that that opportunity is out there, but then you also have to just be very careful about like what you're paying attention to, like in life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then definitely Carol Milgard is a great resource. You can get free mammograms, get yourself signed up, touch your boobs, touch your tatas, like make it happen. Encourage your friends, your family, your coworkers, men, women alike. Um, uh, there is uh, from somebody who used to be so callous and kind of joking about it behind fear of actually getting it. Um, I have been as close to it in the last five years um, and especially this year that I would n- never ever make that joke again or be so lighthearted about the commentary. So um, I'm grateful to be here and uh, a resource. Uh, if anybody needs a mammogram, like get out there. I will connect you with people who can, or institutions that can help you with that. And as Colleen said, we are blessed. We've got Seattle Cancer Care mm-hmm. Alliance. We've got UW. We've got Swedish. Um, we've got Dr. Senecal here. Dr. Lynn Clark is a great breast surgeon. There's there's so many awesome, incredible people who have worked their, spent their lives saving other people's lives in mm-hmm. our community. And so um, support them if if you can, um, yeah. definitely Carol Melgard and any other institution that, that allows for free mammograms. Cool. So thank you both again for Thanks, coming Dave. on to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks. And ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for today. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Again, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, October. And you can run this back next October, 2021, 22, 23, 24. It's all the same. So. Uh, please be be aware out there and be safe. Thanks. And with that, we're out of here. Peace.